welcome to Oakham Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. We have Jay Campbell from the company Dime on today, and we are really excited. because Welcome, Jay. Uh... Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. We, Eric and I have been excited for weeks over this, and we're, uh, we're honored that you, uh, you joined us. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, so the company Dime, I mean, we have so much appreciation for what you guys do and how you serve the travel industry. And I just want to say I respect having that paywall so much um, that, uh, you know, it, it's just just much respect with that because that, that's hard. That's hard to do. Well, let, let's have the let's have just, what is the company Dime, which, by the way, is like one of the coolest names for for like an online magazine. <laughs> what is the company Dime? Explain to everyone. Thank you. Yes. Well, so uh, it's basically business to business information for people who are in charge of uh, managing business travel, you know, uh, policies, expenses, supplier relations. Uh, that's our kind of target audience is that corporate travel procurement person or manager. And um, of course, you know, if they're reading something, their partners and their suppliers need to read it too. So that's actually the secondary sort of larger part of our audience is all the suppliers and, and distributors who uh, participate in the business travel industry. How did you get to this? Like most people in travel, everyone like loves to travel, right? But like how, how did, did you start a business, a business right. travel magazine? Did, did travel suck you in or were you always in travel? Like, tell us about your journey from the start of like how you, how you started the company time. Well, it's definitely sucked me back in when I've tried to leave. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, the path is, is, is sort of, I think, typical for a lot of uh, journalists, right? You kind of, uh, you know, maybe not all of them, but, uh, you know, many of them get kind of the the interest in in the news at a young age. I was a paper boy growing up in Massachusetts and a big uh, Red Sox fan, still am. Uh, and my first- Patriots? Uh, Patriots? No, no, not really. Oh, all right. Uh, all right. Please continue <laughs> talking. Please, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, teasing uh, all the Patriots fans out there. It's just a joke. They probably deserve it. Uh, no, it, no, it, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, and I've never been to Tampa Bay, so go, you know, whatever. I could care less about football. Eric's so. not a football guy. I, I like football. So I was into all the sports as a kid, and then, I, like, when I, you know, grew up, I had to focus on something. And being a Red Sox fan is really a big job. So that, that that's awesome. A lot of time, but yeah, so I, I like I wanted to be Joe Stiglione, right? I wanted to be the uh, Red Sox radio announcer um, uh, as as a as a kid, and and but I eventually kind of picked up on, wow, I'm actually pretty good at writing, you know, and and uh, so started uh, getting published in the local uh, newspapers, the weeklies uh, that unfortunately are, you know, disappearing and have disappeared quite a lot. Um, but anyway, so I was writing, you know, and getting paid for it as a 14, 15 year old, you know, and just finding Amazing. it so awesome. And uh, so then I went to Boston University uh, for journalism. And while I was there, um, I had a few different kind of gigs, uh, part-time stuff, you know, writing and, and um, actually getting paid for it, which was, it's just so rewarding, you know, when you can do that. One of those was uh, for the Air Travel Journal, which was uh, Logan Airport's newspaper. And so um, it was there that I got to know the national travel trades, the travel weeklies and BTN. And um, when I graduated in 95, I was hired by BTN 
uh, David Meyer, who was the editor at the time, gave me a shot. I had a ponytail. I was 22 years old. <laughs> and uh, he kind of introduced me to the business world. And everyone was like, who's that kid with the ponytail? You know, um, But uh, yeah, I got to know business travel. I moved to New York for that job. And uh, a few years later, I took uh, kind of a higher paying job at uh, a wire service that is now part of Reuters. And I was only there for about 10 months, but it really helped me with speed, you know, covering the stock market, you just have to be fast. And it was a real uh, learning experience. And so while I was there, I started a little uh, email distribution that I called Campbell on Airlines. And it was for just my friends in the industry. Um, and it became a precursor for what, uh, what, what became The Beat, which was my first startup. And that was in 2004. Right. Uh, uh, eventually, I joined up with some ex-BTN colleagues, and we created a company that was sold in 2010 to what is now Northstar, which owns Travel Weekly and Focusrite, oh, wow. BTN. Okay. Um, and then I was there for a few years. I was editor-in-chief of, of BTN until uh, 2013, kind of finished out my contract, and then David and I, David Jonas and I started the company Dime in 2014. So uh, we just turned five last fall, and um, yeah, luckily there. it's working. I mean, we didn't know. But uh, we had a lot of advantages so, just knowing the industry. So. so I said before that I respect the paywall, but why the paywall? Why not go the route of having advertisers? Uh, well, firstly, if you have advertisers, you need salespeople. And uh, so that just means more you know, overhead. Um, we're, we're, we're elitists and, and we're arrogant about the... Um, At least the, you're honest. The, the separation <laughs> of sales and marketing from, you know, objective content, you know, and uh, so, you know, uh, objectivity in the, in the journalist's mind is a whole topic I'm fascinated by, maybe a, a different discussion altogether. But um, yeah, I mean, we just think that in business, uh, it, there's there's room for, uh, you know, a model where the the beneficiaries can appreciate and pay for something that's independent of, of sponsorship. There's plenty of room for sponsored material. Yeah, um, and, you know, the other thing is more of a practical matter, right? So, like, you know, the main media model is to have, uh, you know, advertising alongside content. And if you're the New York Times, you know, it's it's plausible that your reporters are not thinking about who's advertising. They're not influenced by that. It's just not plausible to think that in a company of two people, right? So right. Um, it really just wasn't wasn't possible. On top of all that, uh, you know, display advertising isn't exactly a grow, growing market. Um, and so where we, where we sometimes have worked on content that has a sponsorship aspect, it's, uh, you know, perhaps an event where, you know, there are sponsors, but the organizers of the event have asked us to come in and, you know, moderate a panel, you know, we'll charge a fee for that. So there is a little bit, you know, kind of an indirect connection to that model. Um, mm -hmm. But we had these kinds of backup plans, you know, in case the subscription thing didn't work, you know, maybe we'll do advertising, maybe we'll do these different things. And we had just this core supporters who jumped on our subscription in the beginning and just told us, no, don't do it. Stick with the, you know, the subscription product. You can make it. Yeah, they model. just really encouraged us. And, yeah. um, and you know, we appreciate them if, keeping if, us if, honest. If you don't have salespeople, how do you get the company dime out there? Like, how? What do you use social media? You know, like, are you? Is it word of mouth? How do you get everyone to know about the company dime? 
It's taken a long time. I mean, a big part of it was advantage that we had having been in the industry for so long, right? So mm -hmm. by the time we started it, my partner, David, and I had both been writing about corporate travel for 20 years. And so we knew a lot of people. When we told them what we were up to, many of them jumped on. We had a subscriber before we even launched, <laughs> he, mm -hmm. like right. found his way to our paywall and paid for it, you know? So that was great. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, your friends, that's just a portion of the market. And so right. it's a great question. You know, we've actually struggled with this because, you know, you're not going to find too many journalists who are also good at marketing. It's, it's, it's like they're right. opposites. I don't um, want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to like impose my will, but you have such an incredible product. I, you know, I looked on YouTube. There's nothing about the company Dime on YouTube. Right. You guys should be the face of, you guys should be on YouTube, having your own podcast and talking like, like Eric and I are, I mean, basically, you know, you have such wealth and a wealth of knowledge in the travel well, industry. I mean, thank so, you. Yeah. I mean, that's, so that goes back to sort of the model though. You know, how do you monetize YouTube? Right. Yeah. But I mean, if you, if you don't, the that's idea is not to monetize that's, that's, it. That's, yeah. that's his model because then if he doesn't, then it's not right. – then it's – like he can't, he can't ride two horses, it seems like, right. right? Well, it would be it would be marketing, right? So, I mean, we've done some things. We actually did have a podcast. We ran it for about we a did. year and a half. Yeah. Really? How did that go? Um, it was great. We enjoyed it. I mean, it was really fun. Um, I will say, you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, – I'll just remember a boss when – a former boss <laughs> who wanted us, my my team and I, to 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 do to do video, and we kind of said, you you realize it's a completely different discipline. Like you know, back right. in Boston University, like I didn't take classes for broadcast; I took right. classes for print. And you know, there's this notion that you know you can do it in an amateur way, and that's okay. And I think that's to some degree that is true, but it depends on your audience, right? And so our audience in corporate is generally more sort of buttoned up they Readers. want things to be polished right well right and so, so i just think that you know for us to address a corporate audience with a video or a podcast has to be good quality um, mm -hmm. our podcast was okay it was passable i don't know if i could do video i tried video mm -hmm. you know it it well, um, how many years ago did you do that Oh, uh, the video uh, we did. We yeah. did try video in probably 2012 or so and i'll never forget See, we, that, that was like that's ancient now you know what i mean like the tech the technology that's out now i mean look at this platform this thing's 19 dollars right. a month you yeah but it wasn't I mean? about the technology we had good technology it was our inexperience right so in other words we brought a camera to gbta's trade show we you know, lined up interviews on the spot with people who are usually really comfortable talking and getting quoted and they clammed up and they got nervous and i didn't have the skills to like get them to chill out you know yeah. so it, it was we tried doing that training. We tried doing that at one of our at one of our industry conventions in chauffeured car, and it was hard. You know, we we had we had someone follow us around with a camera, and it didn't work out as planned. It's it's much harder than it seems to like walk around on a floor and create video and edit it together and and do that type of thing. This is this is much easier to do. You know, where yeah. you're you're just you know have a webcam and or whatever, and and then and you're ready to go. But yeah, doing what you said about you know creating a broad a broadcast and editing it all together that that's tough to do it is and you know you kind of have to respect the skill set and that you don't have it <laughs> you know yeah. like i figured out how to edit and 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 you know polish audio um but it was just it was just my own training it was using audacity the free software it was you know yeah. like i said good enough um uh, but but you know 
yeah. I, it, and the other thing is the models. And so it becomes a question of, you know, is this worth our time? So for the podcast, for example, you know, there was no way for us to charge a subscription. That would have been in keeping with our current model. But Apple specifically prohibits that. And so the only way to make money on a podcast, if you want to be in the Apple store, is to sell advertising. And again, just not, you know, the ideal uh, business model for us. So, you know, I mean, it, it's it's good to, to dabble in these things. It You know, as a as a marketing tool, that's a different question. And that could be, you know, that could be something we do someday. Um, but to go back to Michael's question, you know, how do we, you know, how do we market? We really don't. I mean, the content kind of sells itself, right? So uh, especially with controversy, like we've had recently, you know, if you, if you do it right, you know, and you publish and, and you have respect, right? And then the, the followers and the readers will share and it just sort of takes on its own, uh, its own marketing. And, and right, so right. That, that's something we've seen very clearly. You know, the, the more interesting the material, the, the more, uh, more of a bump in, in subscribers that we get. I mean, it happens on the same day you publish something, you see new people coming in. Right. You know, it's like sort of your mediocre material, you get a lot of readers, and that, that's your existing people saying, I want to I learn everything, you know. Yeah, we, um, we do that where we're, you know, like we post content every day, and, you know, it's, it's our Open Bros content, it's for our company, BLS. And um, yeah, when you when you hit it right, you see the new followers. You see, you see the new comments. But that's hard. That's hard. Very very hard. Social media, yeah. Social media to us, Jay, was was foreign. It was completely foreign. When our father started the company, he kept a very tight leash on being um, uh, private, right? Like mm-hmm. he, you know, we he didn't want Eric and I out there. He didn't want us at trade shows. He didn't want us at conventions. We were at a few he, conventions here he and wanted, there. He kept he liked the mystique of being like a private car and service, it, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It, right. it worked for many many years where we had our our very. Um, our loyal clients who, you know, really liked what we were doing. And then, you know, he passed away two, two years ago, February 2nd, 2018, he passed away. And Eric and I had an opportunity to take BLS into, you know, uh, the 2020s is what we like to call it. Mm-hmm. And Eric and how, and how the 2020s have been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a firestorm. It's yeah. Of yeah. Epic proportions. To so, say I the mean, least. But social media to us has been really, um, it's been the game changer that BLS, our I, car service, needed. I've been meaning to. I've been meaning to ask Jay. So, is LinkedIn the place where you go to launch your, um, all of your posts, all of your articles, or do you do it on Facebook too and stuff like that? Uh, well, so so we have a few different kind of distribution channels. You know, we have our own email uh, subscription. We do like uh, browser notifications. So you know, it's optional, but you can have your browser tell you, oh, something's new on the company dime. Right. Um, and then we really just put out a headline and a link on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and even in LinkedIn, it's it's not just my feed and David's, but also a few groups. There's some mm-hmm. groups we're part of. We'll post in there. Um, we we have nothing on Facebook, and yeah. uh, you know it's been a debate. But you know, uh, going back to kind of early investigations into these channels, you know, our understanding was that our our business audience wants to keep their business on LinkedIn and their personal on Facebook. So yeah, um, it may change, but it's also I just find Facebook to be extremely annoying. So that's part of it. Um, you know, I'm not personally yeah. much of a fan. Uh, so. Yeah. We've no. never, you know, when Facebook was the craze back in, I mean, like 04, 05, 06, Eric and I were just too busy. You know, we were working, we were married. We, you know, we were, we didn't want to be a part of that. 
And then even today, like we're not personally we, on Facebook. We do it just for business. We do yeah. it just for business. But personally, like I don't care. Like Eric and I, the joke is we don't care what our ex-girlfriends are doing. You know, we don't <laughs> care what our friends from high school are doing. If we want to talk to them, we would find them and talk to them. I don't need to know what they're doing on Facebook. So you guys have the same ex-girlfriends. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, wow. we, we, yeah, share, we, we share everything. Together. We share everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. <laughs> so you mentioned the controversy, and I think that um, you know the question is with the shakeup going on at GBTA right now. Um, where do you you know where do you see GBTA going? Um, when you broke the story, um, was there a debate? You know how how was um, tell tell us that story. Uh, well, so it's a couple parts. I guess the where I see it going. I mean, you know, yesterday's news about Dave Hilfman coming in as interim CEO is right. about as as about as good as they could have done on on the first step. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think, and I, a big part of it is that right now their relationships with you know all the suppliers who put up most of the money for the convention and other other activities and also all the members are you know those relationships are hurt and so they're hoping Dave can come in and heal uh bring people back into the fold at least um allow those supporters to give the organization you know kind of the benefit of the doubt okay we're not you know we're not permanently out you know uh, we'll see we're we'll see what you're going to do um but he has he has real challenges you know i mean the you know, um, the issues were not just about who is the executive director or what they call the CEO. You know, it goes to some uh, fundamental levels about how the organization operates. So one of our upcoming stories, possibly this week, more likely next, is an examination of the bylaws and the governance and how, according to association experts and there are a lot of those, right? There's an association for everything, and there are lifers who have been running uh, associations of all different industries, and so they have a lot of perspectives. According to them, we've been talking to them for a good year now, uh, this organization has a structure which is archaic. It has um, uh, so less than less than clear, uh, you know, guidelines about what the board is responsible for versus what the paid full-time staff and especially the CEO is responsible for. And so um, a lot of the a lot of the issues that come from, for example, the board just being really micromanaging, getting involved in things that it's up to the manager to do. Whereas uh, you know, like I say, modern membership associations that have revised their bylaws to kind of keep with the times and the realities of you know the work life today, their boards are more oversight. You know, they have a monthly meeting they approve big picture things, but they don't worry about staff performance or the food at the convention or some of these other things that we've heard um, have actually have actually been on their agenda. So, uh, so that that's a big part of it. So that, that fundamental stuff really requires um, an outside look, and uh, and so I think that that's what they're going to plan to do is is to bring in some expertise from outside the bubble. And, and and take a look and make recommendations. And then, you know, because he's interim, I would imagine uh, that an, a, a final step, if not, you know, uh, even soon, is is to do a true executive search. So to find his replacement, not just be, you know, a decision made in a couple of days, but a real search that, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit expensive and 
but that's what you have to do. So, you know, the timing of everything and, you know, we're, t we generally are just talking from the supplier side because, you know, we, we go and we buy a booth and stuff like that. I want to mention, we also are very new at GBTA. We've only yeah. been there for two years now since our dad passed. He, we went to GBTA once in the last 20 years. So we then... don't have that. We don't have the, 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 the luxury of having legacy of, of key of, of having 20 years of going. Mm -hmm. So on our side, um, recently we've had much more success at the smaller conventions and the GBTA convention is su is is the super bowl right yeah. it's it's just it's massive and it's so right. easy to get lost as a supplier when there's there's you got one shot you know you build for it all year and then you got one shot to go and try and and make it there when we feel that like the smaller conventions um create much more opportunities because you can go to multiple you see the people at those conventions multiple and now with covid19 it's really ripe for innovation as far as how these conventions are run um what do you think do you think that it's still going to be the mega convention factoring in covid19 factoring in the shakeup factoring is the mega in yeah is the mega convention dead I mean, I, I got to tell you, we went to the San, – San Diego was our first GBTA, right? That was two years ago, three years ago. Three then years we went ago. to Chicago – yeah, then we went to Chicago last year. And for the first three days, it was just standing in a booth trying, you know, you know, trying to fish people that in. Was, and that was our inexperience with that too. You know, we've, yes, we've learned more but, that it's, it's, it's about everything else but the convention. Correct. And, but when we sponsored a party – and it, we sponsored the BTN Travel Manager of the Year party, and it was the BLS family, and it was everyone who was shopping on that floor was in one. It was this gorgeous beauty one in the ten thousand square foot room. Right. It was this gorgeous room, and it was the BLS crew and all the travel managers, yeah. you know, there walking around with you know some had their tags on, some didn't want it. But I, you know, I said in a podcast uh, recently that like. I was able to talk to people because I saw where they were from. I don't want to say who this person was, but I met a lady there and my son is obsessed with her product. And I said, my son buys your product every year. Uh, we buy it for him. But, you know, so like that would have never happened on the floor because on the floor, it's like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. You're hoping people get to you. You're hoping people will walk by you. And it's like, then like, you know, do you really want to talk to some guy, a limo guy in a booth? Right. You know, it's... It, so the question is, is the big convention dead? Did COVID kill the big convention? I mean, temporarily, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think I think actually it killed a lot of things for now. Um, you know, we've, we've been obviously very focused on this. You know, what what is the future of business travel? You know, and uh, you see a lot of absolute statements made in, in the media and, and on, you know, on social media about, oh, it's you know never going to be the same. It's dead. You know, these things. And, and you know, usually those things are wrong, right? Um, but, uh, you know, we've seen this before where, you know, video conferencing, for example, you know, took off 10 years ago when they invented the telepresence suite and everyone thought, uh oh, you know, we're in trouble now. And I guess I would say, you know, it, I, I would expect that uh, in the long term, the near term is different, but in the long term, if there is a replacement for some trips, that just means volumes change, right? Maybe lower. But if there's business, if, you know, if we're still doing commerce, if there's still an economy, right? Business travel is a function of that. It doesn't, it's not done for the most part for 100%. fun, right? There, there is 100%. some, yeah, there's some kind of um, extra business travel. There was a lot in the eighties, right? right. <laughs> less, less now, less, less and less. And, and, you know, this might, 
kill it once and for all. I don't know that sort of, you know, I mean, the, the mileage runs that the frequent flyers do, you know, like that's really, I mean, first of all, terrible for the environment, but also really, I mean, really, you're taking trips just to, you know, but, um, you know, I don't think that as a tool for conducting business, business travel has changed, right? And so it's just a matter of time. Now, if you have to wear a mask when you're in a meeting, maybe that's changed, right? You may just prefer to do that on Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking the other day about how, you know, you obviously can't wear a mask when you're eating lunch, right? Well, so that's actually what the business meeting is always going to be for a while, right? Because everyone has the excuse of, I'm eating, I don't have to wear a mask, and now I can have a real conversation as well. Right. That was a traditional business meeting already. Uh, you know, so, so we have our kind of our pockets of, of opportunity there. But companies are so concerned about the well-being of their people mm -hmm. and, and so careful now. Like the, the business travel that is happening is extremely controlled, yep. manual processes, you know, checklists, lots of information, just tremendous amounts of preparation. Like even that in itself is, is, a, is an inhibitor to any kind of trip that's not pretty much necessary, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to take a big hit temporarily. Um, but I, I don't see how, again, you know, the the value of of networking um, and going back to the conventions. I mean, you know, those large meetings, conventions, those are you can't actually predict what you're going to get out of them. You know, Michael, sure. I hear what you're saying in terms of being overwhelmed. It is t so overwhelming. Right. right? You know, all kinds of tales about how is that part of the archaic? Is that part of the archaic thing that you said that the way it was run was archaic? But do you feel that like that big mega convention is archaic as well? No, I, I was thinking more in terms of the um, the governance, you know, mm -hmm. the elections, the like, you know, how people are um, appointed or how they can volunteer for different mm -hmm. things. More the, you know, um, the association side of it rather than the convention. I mean, I think there are probably trade show organizers who have ideas about how things could be cool and different in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe GBTA has or hasn't adopted those. But I don't think it's really that. Like, people don't complain so much about the convention other than what you said, which is that it's overwhelming. It's huge. I, I never know if I got enough done. Like, that's right. all. That, that's kind of comes with the territory, right? I mean, I don't know how you're going to make that better. Like, maybe there's... If you want to play in that in that field, you have to, you got to go. Like there, there's, there's no doubt about it. You have to go. You have to be involved, and in, in, you know, and and you have to have your hitching post, so to speak. Is there a is there a company dime convention in the future? Do you see yourself doing that? Because you're, you know, you're a huge voice in the travel industry. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the business model stuff. I mean, you know, so when when we started the beat, uh, it was just me at first, and then I sold it to a company. It's a lot of details, but anyway, we created a, a an event alongside the beat, and it's still going today. It's called the Beat Live, um, and so there is a natural connection between a publication and an event. Uh, right. The trouble, though, again, is it's pretty tough to get people to pay enough money to attend that that covers all of your expenses and maybe even gives you a little profit. So you need those sponsors. Um, again, it's like a tool in the kit, but we haven't pulled it out. Instead, what we've done a couple of times is partner with existing organizations who run an event and, you know, we'll do a little trade on like marketing. You know, we promote their, you know, to, to our audience that we're appearing, for example, and we might run a session or, or two for them. But, you know, we're our, so the way we can, we can support an event is on the education side, you know, where there are seminars, um, commentary, you know, education right. discussion. Those are, that's where we would play. And I could see that. I could see us partnering, but like, it's that, it's that show side of it. And especially all the, 
the advertising and sponsorship. We just don't even have the the expertise. It's a different, yeah, it's a different business. It's a different right. business from what you're doing. So um, I, I know at the bottom of some of your articles, you put that you're working on some type of show in conjunction with another association. So what exactly is that? So that was uh, actually just two things. One was uh, a freelance work that we've been doing for the Association of Corporate Travel Executives. And so they have uh, a community, an online community, and they enlisted us to provide content. Uh, so we you know, write up a couple of pages of like, this week's developments and send it over to them. Um, the other disclosure there is a an, is a you know trade show company that is looking at corporate travel, and so we've been involved in you know basically you know kind of as a sounding board to them. You know what are the opportunities, etc. Um, there's no there's no business underway. In fact, we just slightly changed the language to say that it was in the past mm -hmm. because the conversations were going on and now have stopped. I don't know what their plan is, but it's really super preliminary if it's, if it's happening. Right. Right. So based on, I mean, obviously you have your, you know, you're on the pulse of what's going on in the business travel community based on that. Where do you, when do you see the business travel, um, uh, coming back somewhat because it hasn't yet, you know, it, there, there's no meaningful volume and we're saying that from the supplier side. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it definitely you, picked up, it picked, it it picked up, picked up, up a bit, but it's more along the lines of high net worth individuals, um, private aviation, um, those, some those productions have been going some, on. Yeah, too. some some uh, movie and and, and uh, TV and film productions. So where do you see you know corporate travel events next month, two months, three months, and, and on? Yeah, that's the big question, right? Everybody's trying to figure that out. I mean, you know, now we're in the summer period, which is usually slow anyway. Um, I think you slow. know, yeah, <laughs> uh, right, exactly, right. So if it's usually slow, now it's nothing, um, right? And uh, so you know, I I mean. So here's what we hear from from our from our corporate travel, uh, you know, kind of constituents, and we get we get a really nice picture from them because we have something we call the buyers council. We have a basically every other week we have a conference call, and usually a couple dozen of them show up, and we share ideas and get them to tell us what to write about, and you know, um, awesome. they talk to each other. It's really fantastic. Um, I will say there are about 90 members in that group, and as far as we know, only one or two. Uh, were laid off, and, okay. and and one's already back, and it was good. sort of sort of a partial thing anyway. So I think that's a really good sign that companies are saying, even though we're not traveling right now, we're not going to get rid of our travel person because we will, right? right? That's I think that's a really good sign. Um, the volumes are terrible, right? Obviously, I think the TSA numbers now are like twenty five percent compared to last year, but it's almost all leisure. Yep. Um, you know, different different industries are in different places, right? Obviously, if you if you work in heavy industry or something like that, you know, you probably have to be on site for a lot of stuff. You can't do it by Zoom. Uh, so they're going to come back uh, faster than others. Government might come back faster than some others. Energy, you know. Um, but I, I, I guess what, what I'd be concerned about most is, is companies like, um, you know, tech companies and consulting. Like, you know, do you need to be on site if you're consulting? And that's a tremendous amount of volume for yeah. airlines and hotels. I sure. mean, Consultants travel like crazy, and I, I also um, wonder about you know from what we hear from some of those consulting companies. You know, there's this notion of automation for sales that hasn't really taken off because people tend to prefer face to face. Well, now is the time when some of that is going to come into play, mm -hmm. and so 
you know, I don't know if that changes the equation. Um, anyway, it's a roundabout way of saying I don't really know the answer. Um, it would be great if we had more leadership, you know, from the public sector in terms of safe safe travel and coordination in terms of best practices for keeping the virus at bay. I mean, the fact that there's a political debate over masks is just unbelievable to 100%. me. It's just unconscionable. Other countries are like, what is wrong with them? You know? And, and and this is a problem because, you know, the business travelers, like a lot of them, they want to get on the road, but they mm -hmm. need to know what to expect and they need to know how to behave. And you just don't have a consistent you know, set of procedures to follow it. I mean, from, from what I, hold on one second, from what I saw, I mean, you know, you'll see every day you see a new post from a travel manager, from a travel agent, from a, you know, from a road warrior and they document their journey um, and, and they'll post it and it looks really promising. And frankly, I believe as op on the operator side, we've been getting away with it far too long without having those disinfectant. You know, like we, the 100%. cars were clean, the airplanes were clean, but they weren't clean. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think it, it's, you know, un that COVID brought on the disinfecting era. And, you know, I think that's been long overdue. Yeah. I mean, what's tough, really tough is that some people are going to need what they think are guarantees. And there's just no, there's no guarantee, especially if you look at like the lodging industry, right? I mean, you have owners, investors, operators, management companies, you know, general property. I mean, it's, it's too fragmented for, uh, for like airtight <laughs> procedures. So it becomes a matter of perception. Do I feel like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm safe? And, and that's, really, that's really tough to pinpoint and it's gonna change. It's going to get better and worse. I mean, it's. I'm shocked. I'm shocked at um, specifically the ground travel industry. I can't say much for the airlines. I can't say much for the hotels. I believe they're doing an amazing job from what I've seen on LinkedIn, but I'm not an insider there. But for ground travel specifically, our industry has been silent. Nothing. Eric and I have been the loudest voices going on and, and promoting our service and saying it's safe to travel. We're, we're, it's, it's, safe, it's, it's safe to be driven. You it's know, safe to be driven, right. I mean, we, we came up with this thing called BLS Direct, which is city-to-city -city transfers where, you know, air, we know airports are dirty places. I mean, there's no denying it. There's a million touch points and um, you're in groups of people. So, we, you know, it was actually our mom that came up with this idea to transport someone from New York to Boston, for argument's sake. Um, you got to get to the airport three, four hours in advance. It's a you know forty-five minute flight, right? Like an hour flight, and then you know you have the transportation on either end. It's looking like a four-five, a, a six-hour ordeal just to go from New York to Boston. Where if we drive you, the car's disinfected. The driver went through a decontamination booth, so we know that his suit is hundred percent clean. We checked his temperature. We checked the cough. Shortness there's of a, breath. There's a divider in the car. There's a divider in all of our vehicles nationwide, and even in London and Paris, and like our industry. They put a little disclaimer on their website, or they'll put out, yeah, or they'll post one video every you know six weeks, and it's it's not doing it's not encouraging. It's, it's not it's, it's not, not doing it's not doing the travel industry any service by not you 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 have to put out the good word. That's what's going to drive that's what's going to drive people to travel again. And I got to tell you, we picked up some clients who are saying, yes, we only want dividers in the cars. And, you know, we picked up clients who, you know, see Eric and I on LinkedIn promoting this agenda saying, you know, it is safe to travel in a BLS car. We, we want you to understand that. 
And and it's so far it's been working very well for us. The rest of the ground travel industry, it, it, Eric and I are the ground travel industry at this point because no one's saying anything. I mean, I think to be fair, there there have been some announcements of procedures and standards at other at other yes. companies, but they don't have. So you would have you would have had to have had proficiency in two areas which are not your core business to pull this off. One would be, you know, like health and safety and sanitation. The other one would be like social media and like media and publishing, right, and, and broadcasting. You guys already had been working on the one. You brought in some expertise for the other. Other companies have to get up on both. And you know, how can you? How can you actually make that work when you're not getting any revenue? You can't invest in anything, you know. Yeah, that's um, true. We're, I will say, in- we're doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing the editing. I'm doing the posting. Michael right. and I, right. Michael and I are doing. We're we're doing the talking. You know, we're 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 the ones doing it. I'm editing this podcast on my iPhone. Yes, before COVID nineteen hit, I had an editor. I had a social media manager. They were all helping me. I was putting out way more content because they were helping me. But now. I'm I'm doing everything because I, I, what, what choice do we have? I mean, you know, it but you make it seem easy, right? I mean, let's admit, right? We just had a technical difficulty. We had to restart yes. this show. Yes, right? We, right. I mean, that's the kind of thing it makes people who are accustomed to this like really nervous. Like, what did I do? And it broke and uh, this isn't my expertise, you know. So I just I, it, it's it's an interesting thing going on right now, the past, you know, 15, 20 years where everybody can do like what what I've been trained to do and others in my profession and kind of watching, you know, the quality and is what's okay. And then you have other questions about, you know, the ethics of things that are posted on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, it's just, it's a whole area of danger and risk. I could definitely understand why someone who's yes. a ground transportation operator, that's their expertise, doesn't want to get into something like, Oh wait a minute! Do I have to worry about defamation? You know <laughs> these sorts of things, right? Sure. So I mean, you guys are bold, um, and, and I think you deserve credit for it for sure. Um, I just I just wonder if uh, if it's fair to kind of pick on all those other guys for not having that. Well, I love having your opinion on that. Yeah. You know because you know that's what you do, and that that's the company dime, and that that's unbelievable that you're gonna you're always going to play you're going to report on the facts, not like Michael and I are 110% blubbering emotion. You know, like like that that's that's who we are. We are just we wear a heart on our sleeve and we're going to be like, "Oh, but we love you and we are family." And like we're we're just going to push that right. That, that, that's what we believe in, but you are so analytical and yeah. you couldn't be doing any other thing than the company dime because of what you just said. Right. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it has been emotional for us though. I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it's in what re- in what it's respect? Such an extreme situation. I mean, when 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 the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, I was completely locked up. I could not I didn't how could I write about business travel? Like yes, exactly. that's not relevant. No one cares, you know? Exactly. I was absolutely useless for a few days. I finally kind of remembered, wait, there's this other crisis going on too, like and people need to know about how to, you know, get back to business travel and the, the, you know, the, the readers are, I mean, and, and I just, I, and that's, you know, we can kind of joke and um, make light of, of, you know, different things as we do in a, a, a broadcast like this. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, and acknowledge that people are really in a, in a bad way right now. Um, whether it's, you know, family members lost, they're sick, mm-hmm. you know, livelihoods have been devastated. So, you know, I, I just, it's, I've always got that going, you know, in the back of my mind. And so that's what's, that's the emotional part is just kind of like, you know, what it leads me to say, you know, what else can we do 
to help right. our our audience when they are they're so hurt right now. You wanna you wanna I, I gotta tell you, um, when COVID happened, I wrote a book called Just Ask the Universe. I don't know, and I'm not like hawking my book here, but I wrote this book in 2011. It's gonna be it's nine years. It's gonna be almost 10 years old, and this book is still after nine years in the top 100 most read books on Amazon and spiritual. It's helped people all over the world get the job they want, the the spouse they want, the business they want, the sales they want, and it, you know it's it's my law of attraction. It's my it's my love letter to the law of attraction because Eric and I and our families ascribe to that to that ideology um and when COVID happened you know you there, there was obviously there was so many different avenues that you could post on linkedin like you don't like eric and i are not salespeople. we're not like use us on you know use us use us we're the best we're the best we didn't want to come off as like we call them shoulder pad salesmen guys who are completely like what you said in the beginning of the podcast archaic right like they're they're shoulder pads in their suits because it looked good in the 90s and they're so out of touch with what people are looking for today in the industry and the idea of 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 promoting um a, a sales thing during this crisis it felt wrong to us so what I started doing is um, I'm really big into quotes. I believe that you know quotes leave clues, right? Success leaves clues. Quotes leaves clues by the most you know famous people in the world. And and I downloaded this app and and I take these quotes, these inspirational quotes of like, if you're going through hell, keep going. Winston Churchill. That got like two, three thousand views, and I don't I don't even know how many likes, but. If it would, if it could help someone, if it could inspire someone, I feel that we need inspiration now on social media in journalism. That yes, we need the facts, but we also need inspiration. And I think that um, what Eric and I did by putting out these quotes, and and then on top of that, it was I think it was Memorial Day weekend. It was my birthday weekend, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna name the top my top ten favorite movies. So I did my top ten favorite movies. There will be blood, Rounders, Star Wars, the whole nine and conversations started flowing and it wasn't about travel and it wasn't about COVID and it wasn't about, you know, anything that was happening that was, you know, the world on fire type stuff and people start, and, and it's, I want to give people that break in, 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 in the disaster that the world is today of everything that's, that's terrible, the leadership, everything that's horrible in this world today. I want to know what your top 10 favorite movie directors are and people are writing, they're contributing, they're, interested in this and i think that's important in this day and age would you ever consider doing something i mean i guess off topic on the company dime like that or you know i guess on the inspirational front you know yeah i mean we've done a little bit uh so uh, early in the crisis we, we we published an article that we didn't put behind a paywall um it was about different uh sort of grassroots organizations that are there for people who have lost their jobs that you know they can tap into um you know that sort of public service type stuff definitely is in the mix mm-hmm. um i don't know if i would say it's a core piece of what we do and and in large part because a lot of our other travel industry publications will jump on that stuff and you know because they're kind of like often trying as hard as they can to look on the bright side um you know I, we got a lot of grief i shouldn't say a lot but we got a little bit of grief early in the crisis when um you know still a fair number of travel industry leaders were kind of like denying the the potential impact you know saying oh it's just like another flu at that point we published an article about one of the travel agencies that laid off like half its staff you know, we got a little bit of, oh, you're not, you know, helping the industry with this. And we're like, yeah, right. but I mean, these are the facts. Like, I think, you know, it's our, that's our main job. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's an additional way that we can offer a little bit of entertainment, the break that you talked about, Michael, right, right, that, right. that is important. Um, but you know, others can do that as well. And, right. and so if we stick with what we're best at, which is the written word and, and getting facts that people can't find elsewhere, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's the best contribution we can make. You're doing an amazing job at it. You, you really are. Thank you. And Eric Thanks. and I, yeah, we stand behind you guys. And you know, when Eric said, I found this company, the company dime it's, you know, pay for it. And you learn about our industry. It was, I mean, it changed the way we looked at it. Wow. You know, well, because, you know, it, it really does bring us value because it brings us insight on what everyone else is thinking. And that's so valuable because we had a podcast a few weeks ago where basically the theme of it was, we don't know what we're doing. You know, like everybody <laughs> no, is, everybody <laughs> is navigating, everyone is navigating uncharted waters right now. January, 2020, you know, yeah. We knew what we were doing. I, I knew we knew the trajectory. We knew everything that trajectory. we were doing. We, trajectory. trajectory. I'm sorry. Yeah. We were opening up in London. Yes, big brother. So you know we editor. were. Yeah, Michael is. I, I can't write for for. I, I just want to mention. I was the. I didn't want to. I didn't want to like Eric. Don't lose your train of thought. But I got to tell you, Too late. Jay, I was the uh, entertainment editor for my school newspaper, and it was one of the proudest jobs. I majored in English, um, so I've read every. You know, like the, what you're talking about, journalism is like up my wheelhouse, like really, you know, really great stuff. I have tremendous respect for journalists um, and especially ones that report the truth. You know, that's that's what I did in 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 uh, in college when I was head of you the wrote that, You wrote, you wrote right. about movies that you liked, Michael. I wrote about movies I liked and concerts I went to, but it was still, you know, I was able to help. Well, I always believe in helping. And if it was able to help a local band. Uh, sell more CDs, right? CDs back in the late '90s were the mm -hmm. rage. If it was to help a, a local store, like there's a store called uh, Utopia uh, in Hicksville, which sells, you know, vintage shirts and records and everything. Um, if it was, if it was able to help them, uh, that's so, that's what I would have done. But go ahead, I'll, Eric. Yeah, I, I want to get back to you know we're we're all in uncharted waters, and to and to fake that you actually know what you're doing right now, um, you know, it's. You know, no one knows what what tomorrow is going to bring. And now, with literally, the, the world was shut down. Right? That yeah. means that means anything can happen. Just, just, yeah. just anything could happen. It really is yeah. scary about uh, in that way, isn't it? We kind of, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes I'm just you know, going about my day, and then I I remember, like I forgot yeah. for a few moments, and then I remember, yeah. like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, we're in, we're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. Do you feel, um, I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but do you feel the election is going to have any impact on travel? Do you feel that the, the upcoming presidential election is going to have an impact? Is it going to make it worse? Is it going to, is it going to help it? Like, what do you think is going to happen with that? That's, That's not a great question. Power, thank yeah. you. That's not a Democrat Republican thing. That's, you know, is this going, is it going to get better? Basically, is the election going to be impacted, impact travel? I mean, I think if at the most basic level, there seems to be pretty strong agreement that the current administration has not handled the crisis well. Yes. And so I guess if he loses, <laughs> then there's hope that the any, next administration any, would do better, right? So anything like, I mean, could happen. Who the hell knows? Right. You know? Right. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you don't, I, I think what you don't have is you know, traditionally, you know, in terms of ideology, you would have maybe some business interest nervous about an incoming democrat right like that's mm -hmm. tends to be I mean, i'm not you know I'm, I'm not 
an expert in all this, but it's a pretty basic statement, right? And I don't think that appears in this case. So yeah, because like honestly, with what happened, who cares? At at this point, I mean, you know what? So the tax bracket is going to change. I mean, the, like we nearly, you know, every the travel industry nearly lost everything. <laughs> <laughs> they like, did. Like, they did lose everything. Yeah, there. you know, like we're we're starting from zero. Michael and I would always make a joke. Man, we wish that w- we started a podcast, um, and you know, we started documenting our journey from ground zero. Well, we got it. So that just shows: <laughs> be careful what you wish for, because we we were knocked down to zero, nothing. When, yeah. when our our parents when our parents started BLS in their kitchen fifty years ago. And you know, Eric and I were there. Eric and I had a front row seat, but we didn't start it, right? Like it was, it was my dad's. It was our dad's brainchild to start a a luxury ground travel service based out of New York. And you know, you fast forward fifty years, and we're in ten cities, and we're, we're all over the world, and all that stuff. And it was always a piece of Eric and I saying, "God, I wish we would have started it," you know. And technically, we are now where we went down. Literally, BLS went down to zero. Yeah. And and now we're we're building up again. And I gotta tell you, I don't know if this is my positive mental attitude, but I always had faith that we were gonna come back. Not never, our never, never, never a question. Never, never a question. And, and that's that's how our mother raised us. That you know you, you, the, the glass is half empty, half full. You know, we really feel that that we're going to bounce back, that travel is going to come back. And it's leaders like yourself that's reporting the news, which, you know, we commend you for doing what you're doing because no one else would, you know, what other, what, other, no, no, to be fair, there, there are other great publications in the industry. There mm-hmm. are, there are, but Jay broke some breaking news that a lot of other companies didn't. Yeah. We kind of have to, you know, why would you pay to subscribe if you could read it somewhere else, you know, but thank you very, very much. I mean, that's, yeah, I, 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 and I won't. I, what I want to also add, though, is that you know, for any journalist, I mean, you know, we get sort of more of the credit than we deserve, and also more of the blame a lot of the times. You know, it's kind of like we're the messenger, right? So shoot us, or you know, give us gold. But you know, we don't, we don't necessarily deserve it. And I just want to recognize the whistleblowers and the brave sources. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who were really afraid of lawsuits and even worse. And they, they said, you know what, enough is enough. Um, that none of that would have happened without them. Change comes from the, from the people that want to make an impact. I mean, I watched Hamilton twice this weekend and what this country did to escape Britain. I mean, I couldn't have done that, right? I couldn't have created a country because these guys were, they were, according to Britain, the, the rabble rousers, the rebel rousers, right? They were the ones who were, you know, they were going against the grain. They were fighting a revolution. The trailblazers. They were the trailblazers. And, and it's, you know, it's people like you that are the trailblazers in travel. Well, thank you. That's some real, like, high praise. Um, it's the truth, though. I, and, I've yeah. never owned slaves, so, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's that. No, I, no, I was never. Well, that's going to be the name of this. That's going to be the name of this podcast. No. Jay Campbell has never. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no you, can but I gonna... me, you can leave it to me to throw cold water on anything that's, like, you know. Seriously, just... you are a wet blanket. <laughs> you are a total wet blanket. But, like, <laughs> I, was tr- I was trying to give you praise, and, like, somehow you misconstrued it that I was saying that you were like, I'm not even saying those words because they're wrong on every level. Um, <laughs> but anyway, well, so I, watched, you- I watched Hamilton this weekend also. And, you know, there is a lot of context 
that Seriously, you know yes. you pick up there that yeah. you know you wouldn't have picked up on and and in there's even critics that there's not enough of it so yeah, anyway i mean of time. course but of course yes. disney knew that though you know of course disney knew that like it was the perfect Listen, disney, it was the perfect weekend to put that out that's true but disney made changes to splash mountain which was my favorite ride at the parks because song of the south romanticized slavery and it it was wrong so they're changing it now to the princess and the frog uh, ride and we're we're thrilled. We love the Princess and the Frog, but change has to be made when when enough voices are heard. Yeah, and that's and that's what Hamilton was about. And you know, that's what that's what I was likening it to, not likening you. I to hear you. Know, the <laughs> other thing, which like <laughs> now, totally... I'm, now I'm just thinking about being on Splash Mountain. How fun would that be right now? Seriously, are, are you, you a Disney? Disney are you yeah. are you a Disney guy? Disney, you a Disney guy. I was not for many years. I like I right. I, I resented them because uh, what happened? They acquired ABC, right? And I was just like, no, you know, media company, <laughs> entertainment company. But that was when I was like, you know, in my you know early twenties. And so you know, nowadays um, I do appreciate them. Been a couple times. The rides are great. the The way they operate it is unbelievable. Uh, the greatest so, company in the world. So top notch. So uh, yeah, I have a new respect. Yeah. So uh, yeah. What I wanted to move on to was um, your influences. Um, did you have mentors, influences? Were you a Tony Rob? Are you a Tony Robbins guy? Are you a law of attraction person? Um, do you, or is it just innate in you? You know, like, or you, you know, or do you not believe in the law of attraction? Which is fine. I mean, you know, just generally, you know, we that's one of our core beliefs, and that's what we, you know, drives a lot of our success. So, you know, mentors, books, movies, that whole. Um, that whole what, thing. what what drives you? What, yeah, what? sure. That's a great question. I mean, I guess I would say you know one thing we some people are surprised to hear is that we don't read business books. Um, I have referenced them once in a while. I've used them for research at times, but um, I just I get enough of it all day. You know, I just kind of you know I have to have some some other kind of um, entertainment or you know other kind of written word in my in my private time. I mean. I guess that, you know, as far as uh, some sort of inspiration, you know, there was a columnist for the Boston Globe called Mike Barnacle. Um, I don't even know what he's up to these days. He ran into some controversy. But anyway, he was a, a, a great read uh, when I was a kid. And um, and of course, also the all the guys who covered uh, the Red Sox and some of them are still the same guys as when I was, you know, uh, following them as a kid. But also, of course, you know, the editors who gave me a chance. I mean, I was 14 years old and I walked into like a little newspaper and they're like, who's amazing. So, so, you know, just a handful of different um, editors of local papers who said, sure, I'll give you 25 bucks, you know, if you, you know, give me 500 words on the school meeting or whatever, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of them, uh, really got me started. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd call them inspirations, but definitely kind of facilitators to uh, to where I got today. Well, you That's make incredible. it, you make it, you make the company dime look easy. And so, like, yeah. your how long does like an article take for you to write? I mean, or does it vary? I mean, because you have to have sources, you have to have all that. So, like, what's involved with an article? There's a really wide uh, variance. So, um, you know, Michael, I don't know if you remember from some journalism training, but there are a, there's a set of uh, aspects to newsworthiness, right? So like timeliness would be one, um, proximity, um, relevance is a really important one. 
And so those change depending on the story. Uh, so for example, yesterday's article about Dave Hilfman coming in to be interim CEO at GBTA, really a straight breaking news story. It did not take a lot of time. You know, we got a couple of the facts. We knew it was relevant and obviously really important to our audience. Right. And so uh, we still tried to add value by pulling together some commentary about him. Uh, you know, so it wasn't just like a rewritten press release, although I don't think they put out a press release. Um, yeah. That's a that's on one end of it where it's sort of I wouldn't say easy, but it it definitely helps when it's a, just a small set of facts that are really important and exclusive. Um, you can kind of turn that around pretty quickly. So that's like within half a day kind of work, you know. You, and some of them are even shorter. This is how am I going to phrase this question? Eric and I, we, we believe in good vibes. We don't we believe in never bad-mouthing anyone. Again, we're big believers in the law of karma. What you put out, it comes right back to you. Do you are you ever scared of writing something down and having it uh, come back to you in a bad light? You know like were I, you scared of putting out that article about the GBTA? Was that or or did you feel that I mean you obviously did it, but like did it ever? Were you ever hesitant? Were you nervous? Because I know that's something that Eric and I, we couldn't do. Well, you know, I mean, so I talked about the kind of the aspects of newsworthiness. There's another guiding principle. It's a set of ethics that we have actually published on our website. Um, and among those, I guess I would call those tests, right? So you take your facts, um, you you kind of run them through the journalism process, and mm -hmm. you know, make sure that you know that. You've uh, corroborated them, you know, to the best of your ability. You believe they're accurate, et cetera. And then you also take it through a lens of these kind of ethical tests. And one of them would be, uh, you know, in, the, in this case, um, you know, the harm. What 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 harm is being done? And you know, one of the guiding uh, principles is to minimize harm. Mm -hmm. And so and so, you know, we do make those decisions. Like, okay, so not only for the subjects involved and what could what could be harmful to them or their right. colleagues or families um, but also for the audience and also for us you know and and so it it is it is all part of you know what's what's considered when it's that controversial i mean very few i mean close to none of our stories have ever reached that level right. um, you know right, maybe right, right. maybe 5% or something end up having to go like cuz it's innate you know except in an extreme example where we go like, oh, let's just review the ethics guidelines again, double check on that, you know. Um, most of them are, you know, product news. I mean, you know, m and yeah. I mean, a lot right. of it is right. pretty straight up business right. information that's not going to hurt anybody. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a whole thought process on all that. Has your um, subscription base grown? I'm sorry, if, if you're not done yet, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to finish answering the previous sure. question, which is on the other end of the stream, we have what we would call like news analysis or even features. And these are not something that just happened, right? It's not news, but it's, 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 a, it's an area of the practice or the discipline that we want to offer some education on. And, and, it, and it requires a ton of phone calls. And so like on the other end, so I talked about, you know, just a few hours for like the quickest of the stories on the other end of the extreme, you know, one of us might spend, you know, three, four whole days on something. And that's just because um, in order to make some definitive statements and be most helpful to the audience, we just have to talk to so many people and get so many uh, and a diverse, you know, set of, of sources of information. So mm -hmm. I commend but, you for breaking the news. I, I really do. Um, so has, you know, uh, has your, yeah. has your readership grown through, um, you know, through COVID-19? 
It has. I mean, we're we're not since we don't sell advertising, we don't really talk much about the user numbers on our website. Um, you know, if you do sell advertising, you have to share that information. Uh, but I will say, in in uh, the last few months, we've had our kind of top most you know record breaking months in terms of uh, page views and users. And uh, June was off the charts. I mean, you know, April was our best month ever. And that was that was crisis content. June right. with the GBTA thing doubled it. I mean, it's insane, um, you know. And that's great. I mean, I just think of it as helping us in the long term continue to do what we do. Hopefully, those people will stick, and they weren't just around for the controversy, you know. Right. As a journalist, um, how do you feel? What um, you know when they call it fake news? Like, what is your what's your reaction when someone goes, "Oh, that's fake news" or whatever? As a journalist, is fake, news, is fake news a problem? Yeah, like, I'm curious to know because this is is fascinating that we have an actual journalist on our program. What's your reaction to that? Like, sound off. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's interpreted so many different ways. I don't really, I don't entirely know how to answer. Right? I mean, I think that just. In terms of the merit of of the notion, yeah, there's plenty of content out there that's wrong, right? You know, and right. and there there is a lot of bad journalism. I mean, I, you know, mm -hmm. I totally get that. There's a lot that's you know one of the one of the uh, goals, one of the um, choices of goals is advocacy. It gets into an area which is a little bit difficult because it's a gray area with opinion, and it, as a publication, are you properly labeling? Right, opinion versus news, uh, but but there are some entire publications or entire news networks who are about advocacy, and they don't even try to hide it, right? And and so you know, is that fake news? Uh, you know, maybe. I mean, I if you asked me ten years ago, I would say the Daily Show was fake news, right? That's like right. literally news that's right. fictionalized, right. right? Right, right. Even though a lot of facts come through, and and you know, and educated opinions, you, you get those, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think fake news bothers me because it comes from, at least most recently and most popularly, from the president who is just at war with information. He's at 100%. war with facts, you know, and, and so that does bother me. And it's, it's, it's a bigger picture thing that, you know, doesn't affect us every day like it would the times, you know, um, mm -hmm. but it, it, it does. And it's come into our world. Uh, you know, we were. Uh, Scott Salambrino called us fake news. You know, we 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 quoted him as saying that in a in a really? survey, responding to us, like directly to us, uh, stop printing fake news. And we're like, which <laughs> let us right. know which is fake. We're happy to. That's a big part of it too. You know, if if you're in this profession, you you have to be ready to fix your mistakes. 100%. And and I think if you're if you're seeing a publication that never has corrections, you might be looking at fake news. You know, mm -hmm. because you know we don't we don't get it right all the time. It's just right. not possible. Yeah, but you know, nobody does. That's right. that's 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 life. Right. You li you live and you learn. Right. The smart learn. Yes. So. And, yeah, I mean, the fake news thing. Uh, like I say, there's a little bit of merit to the general notion, but the way it's been used recently, it's like a weaponized term. And um, why an elected official would not appreciate the role of the free press. I mean, you know, I, I, it just shows a, a lack of understanding about the Constitution and the fundamentals of, mm -hmm. of a democracy. I just, it's so baffling. It's amazing what you just said. It's amazing how you, you know, so eloquently I, you said that. I just made it up too. It was. <laughs> <laughs> but you do feel there are outlets out there that are just kind of acerbating issues. I'm not saying, you know, you guys, but like in general media outlets that are 
making things worse um, than others, right? It's so it's so divisive today, right? With with the news outlets. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I I, I put quotes around news when I say Fox News. You know, it just isn't. <laughs> like there's there are some journalists there who seem to be trying, and sometimes there are reports that that seem to be real, but like the the uh, obviously the commentary. You know, they're just not seeking a diversity of inputs and 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 views, and and there's an agenda, you know, and so it's 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 somewhere that was not predicted, you know, when when the principles of journalism really came into the, like, the modern era, and mm -hmm. and uh, and so you know, I mean, I wish I could say it didn't matter, but they've had tremendous influence. But um, ultimately, I mean, it's it, you know, every it's all going to come out in the wash. The truth always. The truth shall the truth shall set you free. I'm gonna know? tell you. I'm gonna tell you what one of my favorite quotes from Floyd Mayweather. Okay, Floyd Floyd Mayweather Jr. The 50 and 0 Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Money Mayweather. Okay, he said there's two things that make the world go round: money and controversy. And I think a lot of news outlets um, they live off play, of that. Play on that. Yeah. They play on that. That the more controversial they are the more eyeballs they're going to get. And, um, you know, like w the way you said about Fox news, like we're Eric and I are not pro or against we're Eric and I are neutral, um, in that respect. But the, the idea what you're saying, uh, that there's some outlets that, you know, they're not news. Uh, we do agree with that, you know? Right. I mean, it goes to the business model, you know, which is, and, and, and a lot of times people forget these are all businesses, right. With the exception of, uh, you know, uh, NPR and PBS and maybe, I forget, but maybe the BBC, right? Like Associated you know, Press, you know. Yeah, publicly funded, you know, very neutral. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a business, um, you know, there are a lot. There's a lot of latitude to do a lot of things. And today, I mean, you know, you can you can come up with content of all sorts, right? And if it if it drives your business model, maybe you're not as concerned about like where you came from, which was more of a true news point of view. You know, I, right. I just I think it's you know I I, I remember so I was in. Uh, at, at at Boston University in in the early '90s, when the browser and the internet really just first started coming in into you know mainstream life, and I'll never right. forget, I took a, I took a class on uh, foreign correspondence in China, which was um, taught by like a really esteemed former New York Times journalist, and and the first day he goes, you know what, I have something more important to teach you guys. Drop the course if you want. We're going to talk about the internet, and we were like, "What? <laughs> you know, what is that?" Ow. And he just threw out the China thing. A bunch of people left, and I stayed. Sure. And and we were like using the early Netscape browser, and he just wanted to teach us about this because it was going to have such an impact on our profession. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I don't remember if he said it or if I just sort of came away from school with this impression that, you know, as this evolves, it it could go one of two ways or both. And it was, you know good in that uh, people, especially in rural areas, will have access to much more information from a lot more places, right? If you lived in a rural middle America place, right? Traditionally, you had, you know, kind of like one newspaper, maybe two from a nearby city, uh, small city, you had, you know, like a couple radio stations and, you know, your three network news channels. And that was like really it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so suddenly with the internet, you can get everything. And that could be really good because you're going to get a lot of different views. The other, the other side of it, though, was that you also can now control where you get your content and and really kind of create your own bubble mm -hmm. and yes. and put yourself put yourself into a place where you're really only listening to the people you already agree with. 
And Very I'm afraid, true. I'm afraid that both, like I was concerned it would be far to the, to the, to the wrong side there. I think both have happened and I don't know which side is winning. I'm afraid that the part where basically everyone is listening to the people they agree with has too much power right now. And we're seeing it with this fake news stuff and all this, like, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm sure you guys wonder, like, how how are they behaving that way, or how are they saying those things? Don't they see the same things I do that, that are going on in the world? And you just mm-hmm. and actually they don't because they're using only this set of sources of information. So it's it's a scary it's a scary time in in uh, kind of the evolution of of media. Um, I don't mean uh, yeah, to be yeah. too depressing about it, but no, no, it's the truth. I mean, if if you want to get like you know, it, it strengthens you if you join Twitter. Right. I, I know that Company Dime is on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I, you know, I'm a writer. I'm an author. I've written 20 books, and as a you know, in addition to the self-help book, but I've written. I have a full representation. I have an, a manager, an entertainment attorney, and I'm on Twitter to promote my books and whatnot and be like that author celebrity. Nothing to do with BLS. And um, you, you see both sides of it. You know, I'm following people on the left, and I'm following people on the right, and some things I agree with the left and some things I agree with the right. And it's, there's no, you know, to me, there's no, um, uh, you're either all in this way or you're all in that way. That's just me. You know, like if you feel differently, that's cool. But, um, it's, it's definitely a, uh, you know, it's Twitter can, can break you. If you go and follow everything that you want on Twitter, you know, you you get that rallying cry, you know, like you're going to be really deep into, you know, into your echo chamber. Th- that's oh, yeah. exactly right. That's why I like to file, file, follow a little bit of everybody, because you know you make your own decisions, you make your own, you know, opinions. That's what the news. Is, that's what the news is all about. That's exactly right. That's exactly well, right. Well, I, I think what we'll see if if we're progressive about it, what we'll see is education about consuming information. It's it's mm-hmm. it's begun. There are programs out there, but and it's it's probably mostly at the collegiate level, but it'll, I think it'll go down into high school and grade school as well, you know. This is a this is a skill just like um, you know, home ec or, you know, how to balance a checkbook. I mean, learning how to decipher information and what to trust and and how to question things is like actually a life skill now that more people need. Yep. And so, I think hopefully that'll that'll spread throughout you know the education system i don't know how long it'll take obviously now it's uh, right. a little bit disrupted but right. yeah well i think getting we we went off a little there but i think that's i think it was good um did we cover um i guess we did cover future of business travel i think mike do you have any other questions because i think um i think i'm i'm all set unless you you have anything i else. do I do, and probably this is the most important question that I've been wanting to ask you for a few weeks now, Jay. Okay. Top. 10, I feel like I should get ready for this. Top ten sports franchises of all time, in your opinion, go. Top ten sports franchises. Yeah, like your favorite sports teams. You know, I'm just I'm like not anymore a big enough sports guy to really be able to answer this go properly. Movies. Go, mo- go movies then. Top ten hey, favorite uh, movies. Go, top mean, ten favorite I, movies. Can go, can top, I do, go top. Can I, my, go do, do top five. It's easier. Top, top five, five. Top five favorite movies, movies of all time. Well, uh, okay. So let me see. Stand by me. Definitely. Uh, I really liked JFK. Oh my God. Yeah. That's in my top 10 in the nineties. hundred percent. Um, you think I have that screenplay. Shawshank have... Redemption. Yeah, yeah of course. That's, yeah. yeah. 
Agreed. Uh, let's see. I, believe it or not, I'm not as big a fan of the Godfather series as a lot of people. Interesting. Um, I'm going to put this on record. I don't like Star Wars. But that's, okay. that's bro, just bro, me. sign off. Bro, sign yeah. off. I'll, I'll finish up with Jay. I, just I, I, just, I, never got, I never got it. I'm more of a Lord of the Rings type of guy. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I just, you know, Star Wars wasn't for me. I mean, in that genre, since you mentioned it, I always liked uh, the Wrath of Khan, the Star Trek one. Yeah, well, our mom was a huge Trekkie. Um, like I was not a big Trekkie, but that particular movie was like I like the disturbing ones. So like with the yeah. Star Trek Empire Strikes Back, to me is easily the best one. You live ends- your life. You you live your life on a lot of edges. I gotta tell you, <laughs> if there's an edge, Jay Campbell's gonna find that edge and just peer over a little too far. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that's four. I, I, Give me five. What's the fifth one? Fifth movie that like it's see. on TV and you're gonna watch. It. You're gonna stop everything you're doing to watch it because you've seen it. A well, no, no, that's actually something I I hardly ever do. I don't. I generally don't watch or read something I already did. Um, I don't know why that is. Yeah, like I had friends who would have like piles of DVDs. I'm like, why? What's the point? So, <laughs> that, that, so that's why I can't like come up with lines from movie. You know, All et cetera. Right. Um, I don't know why, but uh, I guess um, un- uh, Usual Suspects comes to mind. That was one I like. Classic. Classic. The director of that is is in some deep deep hawk now. Oh really? Oh yeah. You should you should look into that. Look into the director of the Usual Suspects. He right, also write an article on that and put it. Down. <laughs> is there a travel man? <laughs> that's, not, that's not travel. That's not travel related. That's a whole other sport. You know, I mean, that's not even the same some, ballpark. We do have some travel managers for the studios, right? So, like, you know, maybe they're dealing with this mess. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> good to everybody. know. All right, I'll check it out. Thank Jay, you hold on, on, Eric. Jay. Where can Jay? Where can everybody find you? Where can everyone sign up? Where Where can you know? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook? Tell everyone uh, in the Oaken universe where oh, they can thank find you. you. Yeah, everything's on thecompanydime.com. So from there, you can find our social channels, et cetera. So T-H-E, company, dime like the coin, dot com. Love it. Love it. Jay, you were an amazing guest. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And we hope you had a good time. We hope, you know. We yeah, hope we you guys are great hosts. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. It's been really thank fun. you, Jay. And uh, like, subscribe, comment, and share, everybody. I'm going to do the sign-off now. Hang out for two seconds, Jay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.